Welcome back to season 11. This is episode 24 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the Doc SF Experience 2023, hosted by the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of California, San Francisco. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I am your host for this podcast series. In our next episode, we're going to hear from Dr. Doug Fairbanks. Dr. Plancher is going to introduce him, and Dr. Fairbanks is going to talk about some novel technologies for the use in robotic surgery. Please join me as we welcome them to the Doc SF stage. So I want to bring to the stage Mr. Fairbanks, so of Advanced Scanners, the CEO, and he's going to tell us that we're living in the dark ages because why the heck would you have a tracker? So the stage is yours. Yeah, thank you, trackers. Bad, I guess. So I actually did the Doc SF conference in JP Morgan and Stefano said, Doug, it's not a pitch. Don't let it be a pitch. And I said, well, I'm raising money. It needs to be a pitch. And I just broke all the rules. So for this meeting, I think the answer is that Wednesday I got funded. And so it's not going to be a pitch. I think that we'll have different goals. We'll try to entertain. We'll try to inform and maybe we'll even inspire. So my name is Doug Fairbanks. I'm the CEO of Deep Tech Optical Scanning Company for use in surgical robotics. In this discussion, I think we've all heard a little bit about AI, right? And it's funny that we think about, you know, all the applications and reasons for AI. And I was actually getting ready to do my new comp packages for my employees because we have money now and we can pay people an appropriate amount. And I don't have an HR group, so I hired an HR group. And at the end of all their interviews, I get to sit down with them for 10 hours, which is a whole fun thing that you get to do. And the first thing out of the HR group says, hey, Doug, what's your AI strategy? Shouldn't you be an AI company? And I go, I'm sorry, what do you do here? And the truth of the matter is, is that it's ubiquitous, right? Everybody is thinking about AI. And I was sitting at my desk and we have these two older ladies that clean the office. That is, my office is pretty similar to a garage. And I think they're somebody's relative, an employee that works at the company. And she taps on my shoulder and says, Mr. Doug, don't you think you would do better as an AI company? And I said, well, thanks. Okay, we're not an AI company. We're a 3D scanning company. And I actually like to start with an analogy because the jokes are going so terribly. In the mid-70s and mid-80s, there's a lot of computer companies coming to market. And I tried to put together the best list I could of all the companies that were founded. Now, if you think about this list, not all these companies will make it. Some will win and some will lose. And when you think about what they gave us, a lot of them showed up with this, a blinking command prompt. And for many of you, this doesn't realize all the promise the computing had to offer, right? What we're really looking for was something like this a graphic user interface, right? This is a feature set of a computer. But what it did is it allowed people to use the computer in a more meaningful way. It thought about the user. And the two companies that did this, Apple with Lisa and Microsoft with IBM, turned out to be clear winners in that field. When you think about it now, Apple's got a market cap of $2 trillion and Microsoft's $1.7 trillion. And I like that analogy because it's pretty similar to what we're experiencing right now in medicine, a time that I like to consider the greatest adoption of technology in the history of medicine. And I put together a list of robotic companies. Now there's something like 150 surgical robotics companies that are either FDA cleared or about to be. And that doesn't count robot, that doesn't count navigation or ARV or platforms or other technologies that we use in the OR. And so when you think about it, it's a very crowded field, similar to what was happening in computing. And when we think about what surgeons' intentions are, and what their interests are, they actually are very interested in these technologies, right? Orthopedic surgeons have something like an 
interest rate, interest in using a robotic solution while their adoption is somewhere in the low 50s. And in neuro, same, we have parity there, 85 and I think 58. Now, when you think about the use case, there's this very convoluted way in which the computer connects to the tissue. So we have an image in some cases and we pass it into a computer. We use an infrared camera that uses invisible lights. We then drill into the patient and make separate holes and attach an array so that that infrared light can bounce off the field and send it back to the computer and make sense of the space. What really happens is there's an inferred relationship that's created between the arrays and the tissue. And that inferred relationship actually degrades over the course of the procedure. So the most accurate that you're ever going to be in the case is at the moment in which you start registering the patient. And so my father went to go get his knee done. He got a robotic knee a couple of years ago. And he said, Doug, what kind of surgeon did you send me to? And I said, what? He said, he operated on my thigh and my ankle. He couldn't find my knee. I said, Dad, you actually went to one of the best surgeons that I could find. But the reason he does that is because he has to use these arrays to see the computer. And it's in saying that I realized, hey, that's a really terrible experience. It's a terrible experience for the surgeon who has to go through this rigmarole to get the technology set up. But it's also a really bad experience for the patient. And anecdotally, that's one thing, but the documentation and literature supports it. And actually, you didn't realize the FDA has actually issued a warning about using these types of technologies, that they could produce patient deaths, life-threatening injuries, failed abort, or prolonged procedures. And that's pretty significant. And even worse is a frustrated surgeon. I don't know how many people have been a frustrated surgeon or stood in next to a frustrated surgeon. I certainly have. And it's really terrible when they are using their eyes to see the patient and what they see is different from what they see on the computer. Now, I know that some of you have had this experience and you say, what do I even do this for? Why did I buy this system if what I'm seeing is different than what the computer sees? And where's the reality in all of this? It's very frustrating, I assume. So enter computer vision. And we talked about computer vision earlier today with an incredible technology at Insight. I'm really talking about 3D computer vision. And as part of the education phase of this talk, I'll tell you a little bit about it. There's a couple of ways you get to 3D computer vision. One is LiDAR. LiDAR is a technology that uses a laser and it sends it out, comes back and we time the distance and it can tell you where things are. Mostly large things and things that are moving. And this is most commonly used in like automated cars, right? Very common in cars. There's another way that you get to computer vision or 3D computer vision and it's stereography. Stereography is the concept of taking two cameras and pointing them at an object and then using some compute in the background to say, oh, if you compare it from two different angles, you can see what size, shape, and distances. It's very similar to the way your eyes work. When you use your eyes, it's called binocular disparity. Your brain actually does a fair amount of work to figure out how far away things are. Now, I'll tell you, this is not really popular because I like to use GIFs in my presentation and the internet didn't have any to offer. So you see how popular it is in the industry or in the world. And then there's the last kind. It's called structured light. Structured light is the idea that, hey, look, we're going to cast a pattern into a field, and then we're gonna use a camera to pick it up. And the way that that known pattern gets to form actually gives us shape and size and data about what the thing is. And this is another very popular way of doing this. And when we deform that pattern, we can actually straighten it out in the computer and we get three-dimensional structures. So what, right? How, what's future of robotics, next robotics for us, right? So I guess the answer is, Doug is gonna do something with 3D structures and 3D light to make it special for us. And I'll try. Here's an anterior hip. You know, we talked about our computer seeing our tissue. Here we took a camera, we shot it down this. 
we picked up the acetabulum and created a 3D structure. There's no pins. What we were able to do is to take that 3D data, overlay it with pre-operative data, and create a very good perception of what's going on. And so this is in hip, which is actually not our favorite use case. We also think about knee. So here we look at a knee, your eyes see the knee. Why can't the computer see it? And in a fraction of a second, our system can get a million data points. You know, you think about trace, you take that wand and you rub it over the patient and you pick up maybe 300 data points in a couple of minutes. Here we get objective data that happens in the magnitudes of hundreds of thousands and millions of data points in a fraction of a second. Now, a fraction of a second is one thing. Yeah, also, this is objective data that is very accurate and can check and recheck and position things in space. And it's really interesting. But you say, Doug, how does that help me get to a race, right? Get rid of a race. Well, if we can see tissue, we can tell you where it is. And that's really all this needs to do. And so how do you get to faster? And we get faster every day as the company moves through its processes. I told you that last year we were at about 1.3 times a second we could scan. In November, we were at three. January, we were at six. And then about a month ago, the engineer said 13 times a second. We need to get to frame rate 30 times a second for it to be used in a robotic system. And we think that that'll happen not within months, but in weeks. We're very close. And so this is an exciting technology to be used in the OR because now we can reduce cost. We talk about cost a lot. How much does an array cost? How much does it cost to put an extra hole in the patient? What is the experience there? And so by doing that, I think we're having meaningful improvements in the way that we do procedures. Now, we're at a musculoskeletal conference. I'm sorry, I did put a brain on here. There was a little bit of talk about BCI. BCI is brain-computer interface. We do do brain shift. We've solved brain shift. When the brain moves, you want to put an electrode right in the right place. Advanced Scanners does that. So I'm really excited about it. So I am running down on time, and I'd like to give a little bit of time back. It's been a real pleasure to be here. And I want to draw back to Mohan's conversation yesterday where he said, be an innovative thinker. That's what separates us between us and the AI. And so I want to encourage all of you to do that. And in order to be an innovative thinker, I encourage you to be passionate. As we stand here and think about startups and think about being innovative in our careers and in our practices and in our companies, I want to also encourage you to be really passionate. And my go-to for being really passionate is be passionate like the launch of Windows 95. So... I'll leave you with one last thing. Be passionate like Windows 95. Steve Ballmer and Bill Gates are having a great time. If you think about this as an operating system that they launched, it's not groundbreaking, but it's really incredible. My name is Doug Fairbanks. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we do, please share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player of choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 